Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game-changing strategies which took them from struggle to success. On today's podcast, we speak to Lorraine Gannon from New Era Property Solutions. We talk to her about how she left her corporate career when she had children, one of which was born with cerebral palsy. Through property and her property training company, she has sidestepped into helping others take their knowledge and put it online to create asset-driven businesses and make money while they sleep so that they can get their time back to spend more time with their families. Hi, Lorraine. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So today's podcast has been a long time coming, so I've known you for a while now. Yeah. Um, but I think you've got a really amazing story and it really feeds into everything that we talk about on the podcast. So do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do over there? Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to be really polished at this, aren't I? But um, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, hit us with your pitch. Oh no, this is where it all falls down because I'm a woman of many talents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> so I kind of always identify myself as an accountant. So I qualified as accountant back in 2000 and I, I've kind of lived that career for, for many, many years and then um, got into property over and above that all the time really. So I always had a bit of a side hustle with property. But I've taken it more seriously with my husband back in 2007, 2008, um, and really took it to another level with multiple houses of, of occupation. And we run a training company. And more recently, I've kind of stepped back and looked at, you know, the kind of the things that I do and um, how we generate income. And I've sort of identified this recurring income theme throughout my my life, you know, property has a recurring income based on an asset and I also looked at then how we set up our training business and we very deliberately tried to engineer our time out of that so we set up a training business based on online courses so more recently I'm working on how people can monetize their know-how into online courses so I've got a book coming out soon around that. Which is actually really interesting because I was one of your, well, when we were talking about this, I was one of your target audience because I was like, no, I don't know anything. I haven't got anything that I could get into an online course. And you were like, oh my God, you know everything. Like, this is how you can structure it. And I was really, really shocked. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and how you help people? Yeah, I'm really passionate about how I suppose we get fed a career lie, um, you know with the the very western traditional go to school get great qualifications and then go on and and earn a great income but of course I everybody has their challenges and so much gets thrown at people so I'm really passionate about how people have a mountain of knowledge and they deserve the kind of the income and the respect that 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 knowledge has so for me it's about actually empowering people to find what they know and develop a course or some kind of sharing that helps other people and I think this could be really powerful and kind of like when I get into flow on this I kind of think wow you know actually the ripple effect of this of like me helping you with you helping other people it's just like life-changing and 
and it kind of feels a little bit humbling to see people go off and actually monetize their knowledge through that in that way because of that you know they've just been fed the whole get a job get a career do really well climb the corporate ladder Work of course only five. <laughs> yeah and that only happens to a, a small amount of people and you only need one little you know challenge or wobble in life and things get thrown off course really quickly so Absolutely. And it makes such a difference. Like I can, throughout my whole kind of self-employed life, I was thinking I need to be able to generate money without me having to generate the money all the time. And I've got the single mom story. You've obviously got children as well. And something that you, you're really good at and that you want to educate people around and help people around is that actually there's a model to business which creates uh, wealth and income without you having to trade that time for money. What yeah. kind of made you get into that? How did you kind of, I mean, your ca- accounting career was quite based on kind of products and and the finance side of uh, yeah yeah so I've always I mean I think the underlying thing with with accountancy is it's all time-based if you think about it like a P&L is a yearly account of of the time the business is spent trading if you look at your monthly accounts your VAT return it's, it's all underlying time so there's always a time for money thing in business as well so if I look at how I was not a, I'm not an accountant that can go and sit and do your tax return, you know, and, and that actually is hell to me. And I deliberately avoided the kind of the go and do lots of bookkeeping and tax returns for people when I came into self-employment, because I'm much more about people and actually how the people and the business work together. So for me, when, when you look at accountancy, it is actually very return on investment and return on investment is an equation of basically how much money you make over a period of time and what that's what asset that's based on so if you come back into re- recurring income and how that works for me that's i hate i'm not a big fan of the word passive because even with like passive income generally there's been a bit of work up front so you've had to create an asset you've had to deliver your business you know most business owners that go into lifestyle businesses and just living off their profits have worked flipping hard yeah, at doing yeah. that yeah so to me there's never a a passive part to that because there's always been a trade-off of working hard to get there you're creating that initial asset whether it's digital physical so it I don't know it kind of occurred to me because we used to run pubs and we had five pubs at one stage and it, it was an absolute nightmare because we spent our whole time literally treading our time for money Mm. um and it's a very now business a very instant business you know there is no kind of build up of asset so you have to deliver in that moment and there's no way of actually flexibly increasing the leverage on any asset so i much prefer the word leverage leveraged income so actually if you can look at building an asset what income and leverage can you um, derive off that and even property when the, the kind of properties that we do are multiple houses of, of occupation are very are very intense so there's lots more legislation you need like fire risk assessments all sorts of things to make sure that you're compliant but single lets are easier but then somebody's earned the money in the first place to put in those properties and, and that money's come from somewhere the initial deposits so I think you know looking at uh, leveraged income is a much better way of doing that and that's kind of I suppose fundamentally underlined by my accountancy stuff so yeah and ultimately freeing up your time that's something that you're massive on as well aren't you do you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about how that kind of came about yeah I've tried to sort of listen to my own thoughts around this because it is something I get quite hung up about and it, and it 
delivers in my purpose as well, really, because I'm passionate about helping other people do that, um, deliver their, their, their own time back to themselves. Because I think it's important for particularly women to put themselves at the center of their universe when they're looking after children, because it's kind of like put your own seatbelt on first type stuff. But I think particularly as women, we're particularly bad at it. And we've kind of been sold the whole career and work hard and, you know, you can be a mom and you can have it all. But there is that compromise. And back in 2004, my son was born with cerebral palsy and I hit, we hit a bit of a rock bottom as a family because up until that point, nothing majorly had gone wrong in our lives. It was all, all pretty you know, plain sailing, you know, they're, there have been some challenges and um, but nothing that had really hit us that we couldn't fix and I think there's one thing about actually in business you, you kind of and I had a mega mindset around actually I can fix this and it took me a while to work out that I couldn't fix it mm. that some things are broken and I say that positively now because I feel in a place of acceptance but it took me a long time to come to terms with that whole process and Ben was that's my son. He was born in 2004. My daughter was born in 2008. And it took me a long time to kind of find the courage and the energy to be able to do something for myself in business. So I went back into the corporate world and worked as an accountant again. And I just found it horrendous. And I think at the point where I was coping with all of that emotion, and then, you know, you kind of being told, you get appraisals that work, things like that. And, and to be actually told certain things about your performance and not quite on par for certain reasons. And I, and I don't mean that in a really bad way because when I worked at one organization, they had a model where they would actually use their normal distribution curve and they would say that 80% of people in this organization are, are performing on average, which I think is a terrible thing to tell <laughs> your employees. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just, it just resonated with me that actually to tell 80% of your employees they're average, that 10% are exceptional and 10% are failing. So the 10% they put through performance measures and the 10% that are performing well, they give bonuses to. So it was a really horrendous culture. And I think there's a couple of pivotal moments that I've identified around the time for money thing. And it was just that, uh, you know, some young employee was able to sort of stay late one day and perform a certain role but of course you know I've got to go home pick the kids up from nurseries or from school and stuff and I was never able to perform that role of actually I can work till eight o'clock at night on a key job because I had other responsibilities and for somebody to then receive a bonus based on that performance felt unfair and unjust and quite cheated yeah absolutely and then Quite spectacularly, I was promoted on a Friday. I got promoted to chief accountant in um, a DEFRA agency. So it, it was quite a celebratory moment. Went home, had a family meal. We had um, a couple of bottles of champagne and, you know, all that. And then on the Monday morning, the finance director had, um, my boss had been given the sack and all promotions were annulled and reversed. Wow. I know. And it was just, it was so devastating. Mm. You know, you can't imagine what it is like to come home and say, I was promoted on the Friday. <laughs> Actually, over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I've always, I've, I've really struggled with a couple of corporate roles. And the last one 
I am particularly grateful that it was so horrendous because I'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) without that impetus, I would be where I am now because I was so desperate to get away from it. I think I was close to having a bit of a breakdown around it. And and it's only now that I recognize how, how bad it was because you kind of cope with these things, don't you? When you've got a young family and stuff. So back in, um, so I, I left, I just, I thought, well, um, I left and I went and joined, I got a consultancy, um, partner franchise, joined that and I, I never looked back. I found sales, I found business, I loved it. So yeah, our stories are quite similar in that sense because I was mentioned this in a couple of my other podcasts but I was working you know in employment and then obviously my son got really ill in 2012 and after all of that rehabilitation and everything else and you know thankfully for me it was something that was 95 to 99% reversible I went back to work for a year and I was just like what am I doing here you know why am I building myself up for somebody else again um, yeah. And I kind of, if, if I hadn't have had that big kind of change in my personal life, I certainly don't think I would have had the bottle to be able to just go, actually, there's more to life than this. And everyone yeah. always says, oh my God, you're so brave. And I'm like, there was, it, to me, there was no choice. I had no choice. My path was very, very clearly set out for me and that was not in the role of employment. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot how to not do things. And it's quite similar, isn't it, that we had, um, my son's called Ben as well, so solid name. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that those bad times are actually the ones that kind of flip everything for you and send you into yeah. this purpose-driven kind of self-employment route. Yeah, I think, you, and it's interesting, isn't it, because I've, I've seen in some of our mentees, because we teach some mentees to go through the pro, um, and property investing program, and those that are, have a real reason why and a desperation to do something, do really well, it, it's kind of like there is no negotiations in their head. They just crack on and do it. And I can totally associate with why that is. So I, I get it. I think it's that rock bottom. You know, once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go. So you kind of not really scared of anything anymore because no. you're like, well, I've kind of been there. I've got not really anything to lose. I might as well be happy and do something to make myself. Yeah, yeah. And then if you like, for my example, if you can cope with like being made promote, promoted and then like being that being reversed just for office politics, then what can you rely on in an organisation? You're absolutely right. I don't think there's any, I think it's something like two paychecks between people are, people have two paychecks, checks in employment between kind of them and homelessness. And actually people say, oh my God, you're so brave to be self-employed when you've got children. Actually, there's no better security, you know, as you've proven in any type of role. You, You never really know what's going on in the background, at least with our you know business models you keep a bit of money in the bank we are in control of what we're doing there's no other politics going on really that we can't be in control of so I think in a lot of ways it's actually safer in that sense yeah and, it, and it's just a mind sweat mind set switch isn't it it's being able to go right okay I've got enough enough income coming in to get me through the next three four months and that's kind of what I did with with my business it was like okay well I know I've got enough money to cover those overheads and then off I went and you know the first year I had a, enough cash flow to last 12 months but I'd made I'd found, signed my first client within like a week of of starting one of my biggest clients ever anyway and I just smashed it it was just like 
you know, there is no point of failure here. But it was just really liberating. an option, you kind of you yeah. go for it. Yeah, I had yeah. the same thing. My first client was Persia. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was within about two or three days of me actually setting up a self-employment. And I think yeah. sometimes the universe just comes along and goes, yep, you're on the right path. And that kind of spurred me on to go, yeah, I can do this, actually. Yeah, and I, I love business because I just love the, the ability to be able to decide what I want to do, when I want to do it. And I've noticed I shun away more and more now from kind of fixed responsibilities of around my time. So I choose to do, I don't like be, you know, the kind of, I've spent years doing month end accounts and I'm, I worked out, I can't remember how many it was now. I'd done something like 240 month end accounts you know closures on different uh, accounting companies and I had to be there at the first of the month through to like probably the the fifth of the month and you know New Year's Day was always a big stop take stuff so there's kind of defined you've got to be there you've got to be delivering in the business at that point in time I find really uncomfortable now to to actually accept it's almost I can feel myself squirming when I'm kind of like taking on some of those responsibilities because I really don't like them anymore and then I spend a lot of time then systemizing and trying to leverage that out of my time into some other way because I, I really don't feel comfortable that I have, I don't want any of that in my life anymore. No, um, you need that flexibility. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole point of it though, isn't it really? I think, yeah. you know, I probably work more than, now than I probably ever have done, but I have certainly more flexibility and certainly a lot more choice around when that is and where that is. I mean, you know, we've all kind of been on holiday and taken our laptops, but, but you know, other times we're like, no, we're going on holiday and not taking our laptops and you don't have to be in yeah. on the first. So yeah, it's complete swings and roundabouts. How do you kind of fit it all in with your family? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, some days you just go, oh, I'm going to go and stack shelves in Tesco. Yeah, I get overwhelmed at times, so I have to take a step back, particularly when it's like school holidays and the childcare responsibilities come back onto the plate. And it is kind of like juggling all of that. And then I get a sense of guilt that I'm not working. But I'm a bit like you, I probably do work more now than I did before. But it's a choice and it's a choice that I enjoy doing. I get a bit guilty when I'm trying to read like sort of a, a boring novel now rather than reading a business book. So I, and I bought one at the weekend deliberately to try and, you know, just enjoy a story and, you know, something for my brain to switch off to. But I think I've turned about three pages, um, <laughs> you know, because I'm so focused on doing other things. And there's so many great things I want to go and do and share with the world. and having just finished the first book I'm like oh god I better write the second one before I get out of the groove you know it's this was actually hilarious there were so many messages in our group of you going oh my god why are we doing this is horrendous I know. I've got 60 pages of edits to do and then you were like yes I've sent it off to the publisher I want to write another book and we were like oh my god <laughs> you're right <laughs> it is completely illogical isn't it but it's kind of like that momentum you know once you're in but once you're going, once you've got some speed up, you don't want to like slow down or stop. Go, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I found that one of the most challenging things I've ever done. I think it's just thinking on paper and, and spreading that out all logically when you're, you're not thinking logically, are you half the time? Anyway, I'm not. And they've got a million different thoughts going on all of the time. And I have the classic entrepreneur's brain. Yeah. Every day I've started a new business and a new idea comes along and I want to try something and 
the challenge for me is to make sure that I finish stuff and make sure that I, I get it done so that well, it, we've to, got the same profiles haven't we really we're very yeah. relationship focused ideas focused but actually struggle with kind of implementing and kind of having to concentrate any well I certainly can't concentrate for longer than about three seconds because I'm always <laughs> going oh I could do this oh I could do that I could do that I could do that and then um yeah it's quite hard to kind of structure it and how many words did you have in the end uh, I ended up with 62,000 words <laughs> just unbelievable <laughs> I know I'm cringing because I think I got to about 32 and I was quite happy and then um, our editor Layla dragged out every last word out of my brain you know, which was quite painful at times. <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, what can people expect from the book? How, how will you be able to help them with it? What will you be able to help with? So I talk a lot about the positioning of of what you need and I think there are th- there are three what I call pillars to having your own course. One is knowing what your um, your IP is, you know, understanding exactly what it is that you can sell. And I help people drag that out of their brain. Very often we're so, so in our own minds of what we know that we don't recognize it as a skill. You, you know, it's just something that comes naturally to us and that actually that somebody else might have a gap in that area doesn't really comprehend some of the time. So it, it's a tough process to work out what it is you know and what it is that people would value I think quite often I I was certainly guilty of it before we went through the whole dent process and they actually kind of pulled this out you do it on autopilot because you do it so much and then when people go oh my god how do you know that and you're like I don't know I just do it every day and that stuff that you do every day is the stuff that you really need to kind of as a value foundation and what do you offer what problems do you solve you know where are your passions all of those things feed into creating any type of business or or course really yeah I think we all get to a level of unconscious competence where we just you just don't know what you know Mm. and actually I was thinking about this the other day when I was looking at some I was stacking some deals for something and I can't remember why it came into my head but I just thought I've got to the point when I know something does or doesn't work and I can't quite explain explain it in any detail and I think it's that just it comes back to your experiences and your your deep knowledge that just becomes part of your being. So that's the first pillar that everybody needs to get over. The second bit is sales. A lot of people are looking for a way of making money without having to do anything. I can't offer you that in anything I do. I can show you how to make money and I can show you how to build your wealth, but I can't offer you how to make money without doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to like earn money whilst you sleep, then there is an element of that. And then regularly money comes into our bank account overnight from um, payments and subscriptions and rents, everything, all those kind of things. But there's been a lot of work to do that. So sales for me is, is where a lot of people don't, they shy away as if it's some bad or dirty word without sales you don't have you can't employ people you can't do you can't pay your overheads so you need to be selling and and that's one of the things that I I recognize about actually putting your stuff out into the world and actually it's a a really old skill 
but actually we just get so caught up in the in the word mm. um people so I, people i think if people are confident about what they're selling i think it makes it a lot easier for people to sell if people are kind of thinking they're not good enough or they're not completely sure who their market is or they're not completely sure what problems they're solving for people they can find it quite difficult hard sell is obviously you know not needed i believe i don't believe you need to do any kind of hard selling and having that clever you know more clever strategy is definitely makes it a lot easier and yeah. one of the things that we always say to people is if you've got something bigger than yourself and we've we've been practicing this if you've got something bigger than yourself that you are helping that kind of helps you get over that hurdle of having to sell something because you're not yeah. you're not just selling yourself you're selling yourself because it can help something bigger than you so i think yeah. purpose is a big thing here yeah and i would agree with that i, I just think people don't expect they, they expect sales they send one email and they expect a load of a load of business to come back in you know they forget the the kind of the amount of trust and understanding people have to build around your product and what you're selling and I do believe you have to pitch you know you have to be able to say this is what I'm offering come and buy it and yeah we can get all NLP on people and try and twist and manipulate them into buying but if they don't trust you they're not going to anyway yeah exactly so I, I think it's about building that relationship and coming back to you know I suppose the side that I'm more biased to is building that relationship with people offering making an offer to them for your product for me is is just is that selling process and a lot of people miss that out they just stick something on their website and expect traffic to come drifting by um, and we all know it doesn't work like that so mm. you have to get out there and be able to say to people this is what I'm doing so that's my second pillar and then the third one is structure so the structure that builds the recurring income is about creating a product that is is a small relatively low value course but then might be over 12 months or 10 months so that you have a series of payments coming in over a period of time. Some people will just come onto an initial trial, but then actually you build a structure around, you get a lifetime value of a customer that then means they might stay for six months, 12 months, or even longer, you know, and actually some people do want to hang around and be part of your tribe. So, and I think it's, it's kind of rude to not let people be there as well. You know, some people who have, high values around relationships and being part of a community you know you should allow them to buy that from you you know you're almost doing people a disservice by not letting them have your gifts if you're picking the people correctly and I I do believe that I think to not I've been in several situations where I've really wanted to buy something and I've had to work quite hard to achieve that and I felt dissatisfied with the sales process because of that so I feel that if people want to continue to buy from you, they sh- you should allow them and you shouldn't let your own moral judgments get in the way of, well, I'm not worth it because that's just your perception. And actually your, somebody else's perception of your knowledge, might they might go on and do far greater things with it than even you've done. So you have to give people the opportunity to do that. And that's why the, I think the structure works really well. A lot of course providers do one big course and they make big chunks of money which you know is great but again if you're not investing that chunk of money into something then you're not creating an income off the back of it so that's why I like the kind of the structure of you have so many subscribers if you had for instance a hundred pound product a month and you had 10 
people on your program that would be a thousand pound a month and it would be quite unusual for to lose all 10 subscribers overnight so you have some security that they're going to hang around for a while yeah you could um, kind of can stagger it then so you're kind yeah, of you're going to be yeah. amount out of pro- pocket if you lose a client yeah exactly and you know perhaps 10 not a good example here but once you start hitting 20 30 people you know you're not talking about if you lose five of them or six of them a month then actually you go and replace them with new clients new uh, next month or maybe you go and, and speak to them and say hey was this not for you and some people don't ever go into course products and there's an opportunity to say actually you know perhaps online isn't for you but I've got classroom based courses that you might be interested in or I've got classroom based packages and products that I could sell you know might be better for you if you want that more one-to-one contact and everybody's different and I think it's about actually it depends on your circumstances a lot of women have childcare responsibilities can't travel to London for lots of weekend courses and all those kind of things and it's actually it's quite empowering to be able to deliver something over the web that you know people will value and take on board and actually deliver on. So high quality, they can do it in their own time. Um, yeah, get them away yeah. from you know they can still do the school run. They haven't got to go and stay in hotels. Yeah. I think it's about building the ecosystem, isn't it? It's about yeah, it is. Hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people say you know kind of there's a lot of criticism perhaps of online courses being available you know you can go just go on youtube something but actually youtube's full of lots of information that's only 15 minutes long in most cases you know if you want to go and replace i remember we googled um we youtubed how to replace a tumble dryer belt on one of our tumble dryers you know and that was just and that's the kind of functionality that i think youtube offers it offers entertainment people go there to consume video as entertainment but it's not a solution about how to build a photography business it's not a solution about how to develop a web development agency do you know what you've also got to know what to google how do you know what to watch on youtube if you don't know what you don't know so you can't then go and google how to grow your business it will come up with a million or how to invest in property you would come up with a million different search results out of those million different search results how do you know what you do first how do you know what what you do second how do you know what you do third and also you've been in business a really long time you know I've been doing what I've been doing a really long time I do that full time so the reason why we can do this quickly is because we do it full time business owners don't have time to go and learn property investment or online courses or developing their websites they don't have time to go and learn to go and do that so actually it becomes more about them doing their vital things in their business and actually having something else on offer for the other people to kind of go and do it all in one place instead of spending hours trawling through the internet and then also you never know what's going to be right for you I think it's really important to find one supplier who does things the way that you really really want them to be you know that you kind of align with and they've got all of that information in one place then yeah and and it's a case of like it's a bit like that old-fashioned saying like too many cooks for the broth it's kind of like how many sources do you google and get different answers you know i googled the other day about instagram you know how do you get more instagram followers and it's just like you know whatever answer you want you can get so it that for me is a challenge with the internet and i think if i'm not a an seo expert or a ranking expert but 
just in my observations, I've done a lot of Google searches on how to how to run a photography business, how to run a um, swimming pool business, anything like that, anything functional about how to do something in business. And you get results that have been liked or clicked or reviewed or that are optimized for Google to say this, this post was popular. But it doesn't mean that it's up to date. And we're talking about actually Facebook's only about 15 years old. So if you've got a solution on a website that's actually four or five years old, chances are it's out of date. So actually you're not getting up-to-date cutting edge information because Google's just given you what it thinks is the most popular solution. Quite often there's something there from 2016 and I'm like, I'm reading this, but it's from 2016. I'm pretty sure things will have moved on by now. Exactly. I mean, you only need to see how social media is changing and the rules and, you know, you used to be able to optimize on Facebook for high net worth individuals. Those sort of things have gone since they've had all the concerns around um, data security. So there's lots of things that used to be around that aren't around anymore. And there are lots of things that have been developed that, you know, you couldn't do before. So I think we're, we're, I think we're in, we have the information age, but we're almost in the knowledge age now where actually knowledge is, is kind of more valuable than just information on its own. It's that translation of information and experience and testing and measuring that makes the difference to success. And failing is quite expensive. You know, we fail to, you know, fail a thousand times and discover the light bulb. But nowadays it's pretty expensive to keep failing at something. And I don't think because of the internet, we have so many, so many ways of tracking people now. It's almost like a business owner or a person can't make a mistake now without being ending up on Google. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it can damage reputations and things like that. So I think actually and to have something online in a complete format is, is very empowering for people now to be able to absorb that information. Yeah, because everything is easily available. It doesn't mean that it's, it's actually always what you need and always kind of good <laughs> content. No, no. And I, I was just in a meeting the other week with one of our mentees and um, he was talking about how he bought a property deal from a saucer and how actually that had ended up in him buying something that wasn't pre- really that suitable. But he'd, he'd taken the due, his due diligence from the from that the, the seller and actually hadn't really known what to look for himself, hadn't realised there was legislation, hadn't realised there was licensing, hadn't realised you might need planning permission, all three you know, big things that might affect the viability of his property. Mm. And actually, without that knowledge, he didn't know what to do. But having been on our course, the second property he bought, he was then much more confident, whizzed through the refurb, put the property into with tenants really quickly and started cash flowing really quickly. So the expense of not educating yourself and not actually learning from other people it is such a... It makes me a little bit mad, actually, yeah. but yeah, I suppose yeah. people value different things. Yeah, it's tough though, isn't it? Because there are so many people, and I mean, I've had clients come to me who have been to other people and spent, I mean, the biggest one £12,000 and they'd never seen a return from it. And you know when you kind of think, uh, uh, they tried to do it themselves and, you know, gone down a road and it just, it, it kind of took a long time for them to realize it wasn't working and that's something that gets me really mad and why I do so much free content as much as I possibly can because I kind of want to educate 
and show people that you know they don't have to keep going down that road of, of failing or trusting the wrong person and I think that's something that anybody can take away from really and and what you do as well um, there's a lot of free content that you send out you know trying to yeah. ensure that you can help as many people as possible to stop them from going down that road and that's probably something that you know anybody listening can take away is that you know if they can kind of start with that or at least start building that audience and that trust that's definitely the starting point isn't it really to to grow in the yeah. right type of clients. Yeah, definitely. And how do you think this has all changed for you since your corporate days and now you're kind of focusing on the recurring revenues in your business? How do you think that's changed for you, you know, in your home life? And um, It's made it much more fun. I mean, life is more fun now. Um, you know, we get lots of um, rewards from that. Um, obviously, the money side of things is is a lot better and you know it's kind of like I've been on some seminars where they talk about money and wealth and and I suppose potentially greed around that but I, I kind of see it actually almost as if I'm doing myself a disservice so I, if I don't earn as much money as I possibly can then I have no opportunity to help as many people as I can and the more money I earn the more money I can give to charities and I can provide I'm a big fan of water charities because I almost see it as trading time for money in the same way that actually if you're walking to water in a poor country most most water is carried by women and children who get attacked and all sorts along the way they might travel three four hours to water and then back with that set water so you know, there's a sanitation risk there's all sorts of um, potential diseases things that they can, you know they can pick up from water um, that's contaminated so for me that's kind of like the modern challenge how do I help people in that scenario and it's not a problem I can solve on my own so and, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation where they've actually put so much money back into that cause that they are making a huge difference to things like polio. So I, I kind of see the whole, the whole thing quite holistically, that actually if a business can generate a certain amount of money and I can help people, other people generate a certain amount of money, that means they have surplus and they can give more. Then actually there's a huge ripple effect and I could inspire them to help charities like that. Or education. Education is another one. And I, I flip between those two purposes because I think education can solve so many challenges and help free so many um, women and children from um, poverty traps and being able to inspire them to set up their own businesses on a micro scale, mm. but actually just would benefit so many families as well. So I kind of, you know, where, how has my life changed? Potentially not, not a significant amount relative to, to where I was, but I am a happier person because of it. I, you know, I, I have more energy and more drive because of what I do now. So it lines very well with me from that respect. Yeah, definitely. And certainly not something that you would ever be able to even contemplate in any type of corporate career. Would you ever be saying, actually, I'm providing water to X amount of people? And like, yeah. we're, work we're, we're working on a woman in a book for women in business as well, to which we launched on International Women's Day. And some of the statistics that 
you know, we were coming across and some of the opinions that we were coming across, just when you even bring up the subject of women around the world or women in business is really something else, isn't it? And we were all quite had our eyes opened, I think, to um, some of the comments that were maybe made and some of the statistics that we found. And you was it the international, what was the website that you were sending the um, stats from? Um, from the the United Nations website, uh-huh. yeah. So I, I can't remember off the top of my head what the Women's United Nations goal is. I think I, I don't know, but the, I mean the water one is I think goal number four, mm. and there are different goals, so they're, they're all aligned with different different purposes, really. But if if you look at actually, I, I think in this day and age we should be able to accept that everybody has water mm. that everybody has enough food that everybody has the right to education and there are some pretty fundamentals that aren't in place and we take for granted in the western world but i can't solve them all on my own <laughs> no, <we can't. laughs> so yeah you have to pick one and and just hope you can um have an impact yeah definitely um just quickly i just wanted to ask you about ben we were talking about youtube is he still um trying his best to uh, crack the uh, the youtube market <laughs> yeah he, he is bless him he, he keeps um he doesn't think he's very good i shouldn't say this should i but he doesn't think he's very good at the old PUBG um playing so he he wants to be a youtuber i think he's switched to now wanting to be um an international wheelchair football star oh, so uh, he's so proud of him he's just a dream isn't he yeah but he um is it's, it's Bless him. He does. He does want to. He does record the odd um, YouTube video. But my daughter Charlotte, she's like well into YouTube, creating slime and recording videos and opening boxes. That's all the rage now. I, I find it fascinating that we that hours. I was looking at her statistics the other day of how many minutes have been watched on her channel, and it's something like two hundred or three hundred thousand minutes. And it just blew my mind that people sit there and watch somebody else open <laughs> a slime toy. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's funny because when she puts it on in her TV in a room and I might pop in, you find yourself watching it. It's just like, you know, anyway. You've but, obviously actually, two little entrepreneurs. I know. What really makes me laugh, though, is when occasionally I catch Ben watching Charlotte's YouTube channel just for entertainment so he's watching himself with Charlotte on there so that's that's quite funny well at least it, yeah I'm the kind of, <laughs> kind of person that's put my podcast on I'm like oh I can't listen to that because of my voice but at least they're kind of going yeah let's go kind of- oh, no. they're consuming it it's kind of like self-entertainment <laughs> <laughs> how are they doing with the followers how are their followers going um, it, it's it's creeping up slowly very slowly I think it's bit of a j curve um rick says this is my favorite saying j curves but it kind of like slowly slowly growing and then just um i think it'll take off i think he's about about 250 followers each oh we'll see in like six months time if it's doubled i don't know it's taken a long time to get from zero to there i don't know whether you know you need to kind of like fake it till you make it and go buy some but anyway yeah, maybe. I think that's probably the answer for most people, isn't it, really? Yeah. What's doing his on? What's it, what are his videos? Say that again? What are Ben's videos for? What is he? So he, he's done some on wheelchair football and disability reviews. So just, you know, how he copes with the disability, bless him. Um, and he also does then, he does videos on watching him, him playing 
PUBG. I, I What's that? I don't know. It's like Fortnite, I think. Do you know what Fortnite oh, is? Yeah. yeah. It's like a Fortnite model that basically you go around like shooting them up. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlotte's is slime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, slime factory. That'll be next. Yeah. Well, she's um, one of her independent learning projects at school was to set up a slime club. And she set up a slime club for all the the year ones or something and she had to organize the whole thing a bit and I thought actually it's quite an interesting skill to teach a, you know a 10 year old actually how to to run and manage a little mini event like that and yet she had all the challenges of people not bringing pots back for the second week and having to provide new pots for the slime to go home in so yeah and that's the kind of stuff I think school should be set you know yeah, teaching absolutely She's just come home with a project on the Shang Dynasty, which I think is key stage two. But actually, I, I, I've never heard of the Shang Dynasty until she did this project. But why aren't, you know, she asked me the day, what is a mortgage? And, you know, that kind of, and then that kind of made me think, well, how can she understand what the Shang Dynasty is and not understand? What is the Shang Dynasty? I don't, it's come <laughs> some Chinese culture where back in, Oh, are you testing me now? 800 BC. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About all the different dynasties. And it, it's, some of it is about Eastern culture and yin and yang. But that's, yeah. I mean, that's quite nice. One of the yeah. things that really stands out for me at school was we had split tables and we had to pretend we were farmers in Africa. And every table, one was a farmer, one was a loan shop, one was a shop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, throughout the whole kind of like process of, of selling your own produce. And we were given the equivalent of like one pounds, which might be kind of two months worth salary for them. And we had to either invest it with the bank or kind of get loans to get more stock vegetables so that we could grow more, so that we could sell more. And we okay. had to balance it. And we were all put into kind of in competition with each other to see who could come up, come up with the most amount of money at the end and who could kind of move the most stock, make the most profit. And probably throughout my whole school days, that's the only thing that actually stayed with me that I actually kind of remember. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of made any difference to my kind of future career. Education is a, is a whole other conversation, but I, uh, yeah. I mean, my son's just in second year of college now. And, you know, I had to sit down and do a CV with him because, you know, he just didn't have a clue how to kind of structure it or what to put on there or, you know, what constitutes an achievement. And he's uh, quite severely dyslexic, bless him. And he did manage to pass all of his GCSEs, but he's come out at the end thinking that I, um, something that he's done well and achieved is a, is a letter on a piece of paper. And I'm like, how about, you know, you, you were training people at kickboxing by the time you were like 14, you were actually assistant yeah. coach, you know, that's a yeah. huge achievement. Yeah. But they kind of Leadership don't. skills, everything. Yeah. 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 You have to run to people, giving directions, you know, it's all the kind of stuff that, you know, we should be teaching. I kind of understand the concept. The only thing about this Shang Dynasty project was, actually at the end she has to present it back so it was about learning in a way that she had to break down and absorb information and then find a way to present it back and that was the only part of it but I thought actually the subject matter could have been tailored much more towards you know modern financial systems or leadership skills or you know actually maybe some management theory or kind of some psychological stuff I I don't know but it just felt that 
I'm not saying Shang Dynasty is irrelevant. But it, it, <laughs> the content could have been a little bit more relevant. Yeah, you know, I just think for for something, for some fundamentals that are needed, but. Like you say, education is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Lorraine. You're an absolute warrior woman, how you manage to keep <laughs> on top of all of these business and businesses and your children and everything else. There's just, I just wanted to quickly speak to you about your book. When can people expect to be able to get that? Yeah, if you go onto Amazon, it's called More Money, More Fun. More um, Money, More how Fun. To, yeah, how to monetize your know-how into online courses. And if you, if you want to just go and, and buy that, there's some details in the book, how to contact me, how to get some freebies and how to get some stuff from my website. So that's the, if you want to reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to me on Facebook. There aren't that many Lorraine Gannons. There's only one Sonia Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one. Yay. And your property uh, website, New Era Property Studio. Yeah. So we made the mistake of getting a really catchy name. So it's new era, N-E-W-E-R-A, propertysolutions.co.uk. So new era, propertysolutions.co.uk. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you about making money while they sleep, then they can. <laughs> Yay. Uh, yeah, actually the telephone's number is on there. Call the office. Um, if you want to speak to me, um, some of the in the team will will actually book you in and i can have a chat with any of your listeners oh that would be lovely thank you lorraine it's been fab but thank you very much take care